Welcome to City Life Church Podcast. Our desire is that all may come to know Christ and fulfill their purpose in life. We welcome you to head over to our website for more information. God bless you and enjoy the message. Well, I'm looking forward to our continuation in this series, Built to Last. And uh, this is something that we're going through a lot of things that have every one of us deal with in our lives. And we have things that really keep us from being able to have our full potential in God and have our foundation rock solid so that when circumstances don't go our way, things happen, storms of life, we go through the valleys, that we can stand the test of that so we can get our foundation very strong. And so there are certain things that can get in the way of that. And so this morning, we're going to talk a little bit more about that. And we've covered many words, I would say, or topics up to this point, and certainly you can check the podcast out on our website, citylifewa.com, and uh, we have that available for you and then other formats as well. But this morning, I want to cover a couple. I've, I've been doing three at a time, and I feel like that's just kicking it up just a little too, and I'm going a little bit longer than I want to. So I'm dialing it back to two today, so whether you're excited about that or not, you can hold your emotion. So this morning, we're going to cover a a couple things that are very important, uh, things that we all deal with. So we're going to jump right into it. Lord, I just thank you this morning that we have an opportunity to be here together, to fellowship together, to be in your presence. Lord, and and it's such an awesome thing when we get alone with you or even when we get in a group with you. There's just something that multiplies when we're together of your greatness, your power, your glory. And today, we ask that you infuse us today with things that will help us as we continue our walk with you, Lord. And we thank you for the opportunity to be on this journey. And we know you're on this journey with us. You're leading us. You're guiding us. You're going behind us. You're on on each side of us. And at times, you carry us. And Lord, wherever we're at in that journey, we're thankful for you. In your name, we ask. Amen. 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 Today... The first thing I want to talk about is rejection. Rejection. Have you ever been rejected? It really is the act of rejecting, the state of being rejected or rejecting another. And actually, think about just me being here. The fear of public speaking really isn't a fear of public speaking. It's a fear of rejection. Because you think about it in your life, everything that you decide or fear that you may not want to try or do, in the back of your mind, there's this thought of, well, what if I'm not accepted? What if it's not received? What if I'm rejected? And that's kind of a natural thing for all of us. And so in that, we work through those things, but understand that rejection can paralyze us from accomplishing God's will for us in our life. And it can take us and put us in the back seat or in the back room or take us out of the plan and purposes of God. So we must not let our past dictate our future because we've all experienced these things. Understanding this, the person who suffered the greatest rejection became our salvation. Just think about that. That blows my mind when I think, man, he was rejected big time. But yet through that, he decided, I'm not going to take that rejection and put it on me I'm going to turn that around and I'm going to turn it into becoming the greatest gift ever. 
And so Jesus is a great example for us. I mean, we can say, I'm not Jesus. Yeah, we're not, but we're child of the king. We're part of his family, and he's given us those opportunities. We can also reject God's plan thinking that we know more than he does. How many have ever thought that? God, you, you not quite understand my situation here. I've got this. And he usually goes, okay, I'll wait. Because he's always there. He's waiting. <laughs> we have been accepted into the family of God, and we are his prized possession. We are his masterpiece, created in his image. And we have to believe that. We have to understand that. He absolutely loves us. You know that some cults use fear of rejection to keep you bound and locked in and to comply with their teachings. They simply threaten you that if you decide you're going to get out, okay, then your family's going to reject you. You're not allowed to connect with your family. You're not allowed to whatever. They, they use this tactic of rejection. And so then you pull back and go, oh, I don't want to be rejected. So you comply with whatever it is, even though it's wrong. There's that thing. And it, unfortunately, the enemy has been able to use that to make it work in our lives. My wife, Jane, was adopted at four months old into a beautiful, loving family. They raised her. They loved her. They gave her everything that she needed for all her needs and then some and, and loved her like crazy. In all of that, though, there was something going on inside of her. She didn't really realize this fear of abandonment or rejection. Where does that come from? Thinking, I wonder, my birth mom must have not wanted me. There must have been something wrong with me. You know, those kinds of, but then going, no, I know that my family loves me. God loves me. But there's still that thing that was, was in there that, and it wasn't until later in her life, even up to more recent years, last two, three years, that she really recognized what was going on and not understanding under the surface this abandonment, rejection issue that was going on. She knows she was loved. And then when she met her birth mom uh, two years ago, August, she came to the realization that her mom actually, birth mom, actually loved her so much she actually carried her to term and delivered her for one versus an abortion, which was the easy option at the time, understanding the situation. But loving her so much, saying, I want to, her to have an opportunity at a great life versus the life that she would have uh, attempted to give her, but it wouldn't have happened because she gave her life story of how horrible it was and how horrible of an upbringing that she, she would have. She just said, I'm so glad that you had a good life. But there's still, in all of those things, there's that fear of rejection, and we go through those things. I want to tell us how important we are to God. Genesis 1.27, it says right here, so God created human beings in his own image. You don't get closer than that as to how important we are to God. In the image of God, he created them, male and female, he created them. There's no doubt his plan and purpose for us. So let's see what the prophet Isaiah had to say about the coming of Jesus Christ. This is amazing because it's prophesied in the Old Testament. And then we see it lived out. We see it come to fulfillment. But it says this in Isaiah 53, starting in verse 3. He, this was Jesus, was despised and rejected. A man of sorrows, acquainted with deepest grief. We turned our backs on him and looked the other way. 
He was despised and we did not care. Yet it was our weakness he carried. It was our sorrow that weighed him down. And we thought his troubles were a punishment from God, a punishment for his own sins. But he was pierced for our rebellion, crushed for our sins. He was beaten so we could be whole. Wow. He was whipped so we could be healed. All of us, all of us, like sheep, have strayed away. We all have. We've left God's path to follow our own. Yet, the Lord laid on him the sins of all of us. He was oppressed and treated harshly, yet he never said a word. He was led like a lamb to the slaughter, and as a sheep in silent before the shearers. He did not open his mouth. Unjustly condemned, he was led away. No one cared that he died without descendants, that his life was cut short in midstream. But he was struck down for the rebellion of my people. He had done no wrong and never deceived anyone. But he was buried like a criminal. He was put in a rich man's grave. Man, we think of everything that he took on for us. And the reality, we deal with the same things that he dealt with. He understands rejection. He's the king of being rejected. And those are things that, to this day, we deal with those things. Romans chapter 14, starting in verse 17. For the kingdom of God is not a matter of what we eat or drink, but of living a life of goodness and peace and joy in the Holy Spirit. It's not about, we get so picky about things in life, about what we're eating or drinking or all the other peripheral things. It's not about that. It's about living this life that God's created for us of goodness, peace, and joy in the Holy Spirit. If you serve Christ with this attitude, you will please God, and others will approve of you too. So then let us aim for harmony in the church and try to build each other up. If we have the attitude of building each other up, encouraging, we won't have that sense of feel of rejection. So where does that bring us to this place then? If we want to get past this rejection, then we need to come to this place to be free to walk in acceptance. Free to walk in acceptance. It's the quality or state of being accepted or acceptable. The act of accepting the fact of being accepted. Accepted. God repeatedly, as he did this morning, accepts our worship to him. He, he loves our worship. There's no strings attached. When we come in here on Sunday and we worship, he's not going, hmm, Steve, you know, you didn't quite cut it this week, so your worship, not going to hear it today. No, that's not him at all. He's like, man, he throws open the doors of heaven. He's like, oh, this is, this is great. My people that I created in my image, they're worshiping me in the midst of all their flaws. And he knows those because he went through those as well. He loved us before we understood anything about loving him. We didn't understand any of that, but he loved us. The Bible says that while we were still sinners, yes. while we were still sinners, he loved us. He died for us. We've been accepted and grafted into his family. So you have to consider yourself, if you're a believer today and you've accepted Christ as your savior, that you are part of his family. If you're here today and you're saying, I'm not sure if that's me or not, man, I'll tell you, this is the greatest opportunity in time to say, hey, accept him for his love and that he died for you. Yes. And you don't have to do anything to earn it. Yes. It's a free thing that is given to us. That's the thing that's good because none of us would earn it or could earn it. The fact that we were 
again, created in his image, as I mentioned, it indicates our position with him. It's pretty up there. It's pretty high. You are accepted and approved for kingdom business, so that's what we're doing. We're in it. Here's the thing. You cannot stop people from rejecting you, but you can change the way you receive it or not receive it. It's totally up to us whether we accept rejection or not. It can change the way it affects us. If somebody said, why did you cut your hair? It looked better the other way. You could receive that as a rejection. Or you can say, thank you for sharing that with me. In other words, that might be your opinion, but it's not mine. But you're saying it politely, but you're not accepting, you know, that in regard. And, and somebody can be critical to you and say something critical, and, and you could take it as a rejection, or you could just say, hey, I'm sorry, I didn't hear what you said. Could you repeat that? And usually people are like, oh, better think twice about saying that again, because obviously that wasn't good. So there are things that we can do. We don't have to receive the negative things that are spoken in that regard. So understanding who we are in Christ. Romans 5, 6 through 11. When we were utterly helpless, Christ came at just the right time and he died for us sinners. Now, most people who would not be willing to die for an upright person, though someone might perhaps be willing to die for a person who is especially good, but God showed his great love for us by sending Christ to die for us while we were still sinners. And since we had been made right in God's sight by the blood of Christ, he will certainly save us from God's condemnation. For since our friendship with God was restored by the death of his son while we were still his enemies, we will certainly be saved through the life of his son. So now we can rejoice in our wonderful new relationship with God because our Lord Jesus Christ has made us friends of God. Everything positive that you can think of, whether it's family, friends, we're all in this great relationship with Christ. And it's just a reminder again of what he's done for us. Romans 8, 31 through 34. What shall we say about such wonderful things as these? If God is for us, who can ever be against us? Man, we got to buy into that. That's a good way to get rid of rejection because who cares? Because God's for me. He's for me. What do you got to say about that? You could take on God if you want, but he's for me. Since he did not spare even his own son, but gave him up for us all, won't he also give us everything else? I mean, he loves us. Who dares accuse us whom God has chosen for his own? No one, for God himself has given us right standing with himself. Who will then condemn us? No one. For Christ Jesus died for us and was raised to life for us, and he is sitting in the place of honor at God's right hand, pleading for us. And he's just up there, man. And he's interceding for us, and he's, he's battling for us day in and day out because we know there's an enemy out there that's trying to wreck our life. He's lying to us, speaking to us, trying to throw rejection on us. And then the last verse in this is 1 Peter 2. Verse 4 and 5, you are coming to Christ, who is the living cornerstone of God's temple. He was rejected by people, but he was chosen by God for great honor. I would stop right there. I, I believe this is something we can say about ourselves. We were rejected. We felt rejected. But God has come to say, I've chosen you for a, a place of honor. Yes. I'm setting you right here by me <laughs> in a place of honor. 
It doesn't matter what people say or what they do. He's honoring us today. You are living stones that God is building into his spiritual temple. What's more, you are his holy priests. Through the meditation of Jesus Christ, you offer spiritual sacrifices that please God. He's pleased. So I want us this morning as we talk about this rejection, we're free from this. And we need to know we're part of his family. We're grafted in. We're his kids. We're his friends. And he's got us covered. He has us covered. The one who knows beyond more than anybody else what it is to be rejected became our salvation. And he's saying, now I'm seating you in a place of honor. So let's sit, sit high and sit with our chin up and say, that's right, that's me. It's not a pride thing. It's just the fact that it's pretty exciting being part of his family. And I, I'm glad and thrilled that God says I'm his. The last one, the second one that we're going to talk about this morning is deception. Wow, this is a big one because I, I think about this a lot because I've been deceived many times. You know what the biggest thing about deception is? You have no idea you're being deceived. That's the toughest part about deception. We've all walked through that in our life at points. The act or practices of one who deliberately deceives to lead astray or frustrate by underhandedness. Believers can be deceived by the enemy. The fact that, hey, you're not important. You're not important to your family. You're not important to your local church. He likes to pull us into this place of that we're not important. So he tries to deceive us. Or you have this incredible testimony, but boy, don't you ever share that with anybody because, you know, that'll expose you and you'll be humiliated and everything. So it's this, the enemy just wants, whatever it is, he wants to deceive us into keeping us on the sidelines, keeping us from touching the lives of people to connecting with others to connecting with those in the community. So he continues to try to, to pound this stuff into our minds. There will be people and spirits that rise up and to deceive. Even the Bible says the cause us to depart from our faith. And we think, oh, no, that would never happen to me. It happens. It happens a lot. They don't know it because they're being deceived. They don't know they're being deceived. And that's the tough part of it. Here's the thing. And I've talked about this for years and the importance of surrounding ourselves with wise counsel. That is one of the greatest gifts, I think, that's been given to us as a body of Christ and family is wise counsel. And it's easy to say, yes, I have wise counsel in my life. The challenge is when it's time to use it, do you use it or you don't use it? It's tested. It's tested. And that's a pretty good indication of sometimes when we're going through stuff, whether we're really doing this or not. I want to tell us this story that many of us know the very first thing, a serpent. We're talking back at the beginning of Adam and Eve, the beginning of man and woman at that time. Created by God. Everything's going awesome. Everything's going great. They have such a good relationship with God, their father, the two of them, and they're in the garden, all these great things. And guess what happens? The serpent comes in. What does he try? Deception. That's his first and probably one of his greatest tools that he uses against believers is deception. And he comes in and he slithers in and he asks the woman, did God really say 
you can't eat of all the fruit in the garden. Did he really say that to you? Oh, no, of course we may eat of all of this stuff. Well, except for, for one. And if we do, then God told us already, he said, don't do this, because if you do, you'll die. Oh, you won't die. You won't die. He's just not being truthful with you, because you know, he, he doesn't want you to become like him. So the Bible says that the woman was convinced, convinced by the serpent to eat this and that it was going to make her better. My thought here is they had the wisest counsel available to them right there in the garden with them. She didn't and Adam didn't even think to consult wise counsel. Why? Because of fear of thinking, I already know this isn't right, but I don't, I don't want to go talk to God about it because he may get upset or he may not approve or whatever. And that could be that fear of rejection too coming in. There's all of these things that come into play for them at that time because easily could have said, oh, hang on, serpent, just a second. God, tell me what's going on here. And then he would be there telling, hey, this guy's a liar. He, he's telling you something not true, and he's here to try to defeat you. So this ends up to where obviously they partake, and then they end up discovering, oops, <laughs> didn't listen to wise counsel, listened to the serpent, we were deceived, recognized their nakedness, and all of these things, and we see happen. The woman was convinced that what the serpent told her would be what was going to help her. So we see in Genesis chapter 3, starting in the second part of verse 11, this is God coming on the scene. Have you eaten from the tree whose fruit I commanded you not to eat? Question mark, as if he didn't know. The man replied, it was the woman you gave me who gave me the fruit and I ate it. Isn't that right for most men? Blame somebody else. Blame the wife. Blame the woman. It was her. Well, then we continue this game then. <laughs> then the Lord asked the woman, what have you done? The serpent deceived me. It was the serpent's fault. That's why I ate it. We get to that place in deception and it gets so far in. We are not taking responsibility for going, oh, Lord, I'm so sorry. I realized I've been deceived. But we're looking to pass blame somewhere because, oh, no, it couldn't have been me that was deceived. Somebody else did something to me. Somebody else created this mess. First right. <laughs> Timothy 4.1 says this. Now the Holy Spirit tells us clearly that in the last time some will turn away from the true faith. They will follow deceptive spirits and teachings that come from demons. Yeah. And we look at that and go, man, there's no way I'm going to do that. I'm locked in. Honestly, I tell myself, I said, I say, there's no way I would ever, ever, ever give up this faith that I believe in my relationship with God and all these things. And I say that, but yet I have to go, God, every day then I have to come to you humbly because I don't want to ever get to that place. I'm feeling so secure in myself, in my relationship with God that nothing's going to affect me. I have to come before him and say, Lord, I'm just a human vessel, a human being created in your image. Yes, and thank you. But God, I'm fallible. Please show me. Please keep people around me that will help me through this process of life. Because I couldn't get sidetracked. I could get led the wrong way. Yeah. 
None of us want that because that's just the enemy that comes to try to bring destruction. James 1.22, but don't just listen to God's word. You must do what it says. Otherwise, you're only fooling yourself. We all listen. Oh, that was good. That was a good message. Or, oh, that's a good word in the Bible. But if we're not doers of the word, if we're not, we're not living out biblical principles, we're fooling ourselves. Because it's coming. That the deception's coming. The critical spirit's coming. The rejection. All those things are coming. We have to listen to wise counsel. Just like Adam and Eve's experience. When you purposely don't seek wise counsel... When you're making a major decision, it's a pretty strong indication that you believe that the wise counsel is going to raise a red flag or a yellow flag and go, wait a minute here. But there's a fear because we know. Down inside, we know. But yet we think, I'm going to do that because that's what I believe I'm going to do. But we know that God puts something in us. Every person, we, we can lie about it to ourselves and say, oh, no, 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 no. This is right. This is right. But inside, we know there's something going on that God put in us to say, wait a second. If I'm not now, when I'm in the middle of a major decision, if I'm not now going to talk to wise counsel, it's possible that I'm being deceived here. Because there's something in your know or in your sense that you know. Something's not quite right. Proverbs 12, 15 says, fools think their own way is right, but the wise listen to others. The other thing is, sometimes when I've talked to people, they say, yeah, no, 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 I've talked to so-and-so and so-and-so. And then I go, well, are they part of the wise counsel in your life? Oh, no, no, but they understand my situation. But are they part of wise counsel? Well, I, I trust them. Now, myself, I have surround myself with wise counsel in my life. And I trust that if they come to me and say, Steve, yeah, I think you need to pray a little more about that. I better listen. I better listen to that because inside I'm going, no, I got this. I'm preaching to myself the same. I'm speaking to myself, but I know this is the word of God. This is the one thing that continues to reach out and grab us. Proverbs 15, 22, without counsel, plans go awry but in the multitude of counselors, they are established. I love getting confirmation. Oh, man, it feels good when you get confirmation. And I remember, and I've told this before, when I, I said yes to the call in my life to become a pastor, I told my wife, man, I got to get confirmation from so many directions. I don't want to do this. I have to get hit with a baseball bat, whatever it takes. I needed all kinds of wise counsel and confirmation. <laughs> but we, we need that in our life. So as we are able to look at that wall that's put up there, the wall of deception, when we begin to see that crumble and we begin to recognize it for what it is and we begin to call out scripture, what it does is it puts us in the place to be free to walk in truth. Free to walk in truth. And that's so important to us. There's such a peace that comes when we're walking in truth, isn't there? I mean, have you ever done this? And I've done it. <laughs> Driven in your car, you know your license tab's expired, and you're driving and you're looking for police cars because you know your tab's expired. Are you at peace? 
No, you're not. Because you know something's not quite right. Well, now, Jane, that's not a fair statement. She said it depends if I'm in Lacey. She knows too many police officers. Anyway, what my point is, though, that's, that's the truth, though. We can't walk in peace when we know there's something a little not, that's not quite right. And that's something the Holy Spirit puts in us. And that's important for us. Truthfulness is one of the easiest paths to walk down. But sometimes one of the hardest. Because you've got to face something and make a decision. It can be one of the most difficult because of deception. It can come in and take you off that path. Jesus Christ has set us free from the spirit of deception. And it has that potential to grip us as believers. But we must walk in truth so we can speak truth in love. The Bible talks about that. Walking in truth, straightforwardness of conduct, uprightness of character, or acting being truthful without deception in accordance with fact. Proverbs 12, 26. The godly give good advice to their friends. The wicked lead them astray. Where do we want to get our advice? Where do we want to get our, our counsel from? We want to seek godly counsel. We do. Because we're not going to get it out in the world. John 8, 31, 32. Jesus said to the people who believed in him, you are truly my disciples if you remain faithful to my teachings. And you will know the truth, and the truth will set you free. So good. Ephesians 4, starting in verse 11. Now, these are the gifts Christ gave to the church. Apostles, prophets, evangelists, pastors, and teachers. Their responsibility is to equip God's people to do his work and build up the church, the body of Christ. This will continue until we all come to such unity in our faith and knowledge of God's Son that we will be mature in the Lord, measuring up to the full and complete standard of Christ. Then we will no longer be immature like children. We won't be tossed and blown about by every wind of new teaching. We'll not be influenced when people try to trick us with lies so clever they sound like the truth. That happens. There's things that trick us, that try to, to let us think this is truth, and it really isn't. So that's why Jesus, when this scripture is put in here, and the reason that when God created the church, which is people, he created a structure that was helpful for everyone, so he put those in the place. Those that would pastor, those that would teach. All of the apostolic, the, the prophet, all of the things that needed to be in place was there for us, to help pour into us, to teach us, to guide us, to lead us so that when we're out there, we don't get tripped up by the, the ploy and the tricks of the enemy because they sound like the truth and they're really not. So then when you are in a situation, you're going, man, I don't know. I got a decision here to make. It's okay to come and talk to the pastors, the elders, those in the church that would be those considered that are probably going to more than likely give you some really good counsel. They're going to listen and they're going to pray with you and they're, it works well. Yeah. It works well. I was thinking about the fact that when it comes to, thinking back to the rejection part, I think that when we are hurt or rejected by those who love us, our tendency would to go and be accepted 
even in, in the wrong area or by the wrong people, just so that we could avoid being rejected again by those we love. There's that thought process. I would rather be probably not the best place, but at least I'm accepted there, versus feeling that I'm probably going to be rejected where I'm loved. And I, that's just the enemy, I believe, that just comes to us and gives us those lies and, and those things that they're not true. Here we have John. In third John, he's talking with his friend Gaius. And some of the traveling teachers were telling John of Gaius his faithfulness in living in truth. Verse four, he says this, I could have no greater joy than to hear that my children are following the truth. No greater joy. I'm so thankful for God's grace because we need it. His grace comes into play and we, we use it. We should use it. He says it's there for us all the time. But I also understand that his purpose of grace is to get us to that place of where we're living in truth. But when, when we stumble or we mess up, we still have the grace there. But he really wants us walking in truth. That's his heart. But when we don't walk in truth at times, he's not going to come down with the hammer and condemn us and say, you're out. He said, all right, let's, let's get back on. My grace is here. Come on, let's do this again. He's always there for us. So I share this morning, and, and these are the things that I realize, God, <laughs> I'm vulnerable, just like everybody else. I'm weak in my own strength. So God, I need you. I desperately need you. We all do. We all need to recognize that. We're all fallible people who make mistakes. And in our own, we, we don't have it in our own strength. But God has everything we need. And we need to be able to run to him in our greatest time of need. And he's there, opens his arms for us. So let's not allow rejection. Let's not allow deception to come and build a wall in our life. Those are broken down in the name of Jesus. I take authority over those right now, those walls that have been erected or that we've allowed to be put there. God, I speak against these walls right now. We take authority over those things that have come and tried to establish them in, in our lives. God, this isn't from you. This is from the enemy. God, you've placed people around us that love us. I thank you, God. You care so much. You care so much. We come humbly to you today, Lord, saying, Lord, shine your light. Show us those areas, God. You never show us those areas without already having a plan to build and to strengthen and to encourage and to set us strong on the foundation that you've built and established for us. We thank you, God. We thank you. In Jesus' name. Thank you for listening to City Life Church Podcast. 